Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Welcome back to the Quick Brain Podcast, everyone. I'm your brain coach, Jim Quick, and today we're going to talk about love and the brain and so much more. And I'm honored to have back on the podcast our dear friend, number one New York Times bestselling author, number one podcast of On Purpose, Jay Shetty. Jim, thank you so much for having me back, man. It's good to be back. Well, congratulations on on another book. Thank you. And uh, this is uh, The Eight Rules of Love. Yes. Now, this is a topic we we've mentioned love and the brain because this this people might be thinking, "Hey, this is all about the brain, but you're going to talk about the heart." Yeah. But we know that it's not just your your neurological networks in terms of your happiness and and your ability to find fulfillment and your performance, it's also your your social networks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know a more important one than the people that you have intimate connections mm-hmm. with. First of all, and I recommend everyone think like a monk and and highly recommend that, but you're going from like this thinking to this this feeling in love. What was the impetus for that? Yeah, I think I was just speaking to so many people, whether it was reading comment sections online on Instagram or YouTube, or whether I was seeing the feedback we received on videos on TikTok, or whether it was private clients that I was working with, I met so many people who were just fixated, fascinated by, and struggling with finding love. Mm -hmm. And there were three challenges, finding love, keeping love, and letting it go. And I remember reading the 75-year study by Harvard. This is the longest ever study done by anyone on human happiness. And they found that the quality of our relationships was the number one indicator for human happiness. And as you're writing and you're researching and you're coaching clients as well, if somebody is not in a place of where they've found or not only discovered, but also developed, because it's not only discovering you know, love, it's also developing it because there's work involved mm-hmm. as well. Where do, where do you usually start? Yeah, so what I discovered is that there are these four stages of learning to love. And learning I think, to yeah, learning I love to that. love. I think we often talk about you like someone and then you love someone, right. right? It's almost like you jump from like to love. And I think there's this step in between called learn. Right. And it's a step no one wants to do because we're hoping that if you like someone, it just turns into love in a magical and way. And we're not taught, just like with learning, there are no classes on, you know, in our world, like how to learn back no. in school. But where were the classes on how to love? Exactly. There were no classes. And so most of our, notes on how to love come from movies, which haven't led us in the right way because there's a fairy tale romance. Sometimes they come from music and most music, there's you know, millions of songs written about love, but they're usually the pains that come with love. And so there are these four stages I found to the experience in learning to love. Step one was learning to love yourself. Hmm. Learning to love yourself was step one. I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is that step one is going to find someone, getting on a dating app, hoping that you start messaging someone, get introduced to someone, but it's really learning to love yourself. As a complete whole. As a complete whole. And not looking for somebody necessarily to, like like in the movies where they complete you. Yeah, I think we live in a world- You're your better half. Exactly, all of that language of they complete me, I'm looking for my better half, I'm incomplete. Uh, There was also this language of how 
we've seen loneliness as a weakness. So when you grew up and no one came to your birthday party, you were unpopular. Mm -hmm. If you sat alone at the lunch table at school, you were the loner. Uh, if you went to a wedding and you didn't have a plus one, it was like, oh, like you came alone? Like coming alone and being lonely right. was always seen as a negative thing. And so I think we've built up this pattern of thought that if I don't have someone standing next to me and standing with me, then there must be something wrong with me. Mm. And so learning to recognize that we are already complete is what prepares us to have love with someone else by practicing love with ourselves. And when you practice love with yourself, you recognize what you like about love, what kind of love you want, the standard of love that you want to be loved at, what you deserve. You set that standard. Right. Most of us let our exes set our standard of how we want to be loved. If someone treated us really badly in our last relationship, if someone does 10% better, we treat them as if they're doing 100% better. Right. So we've let other people decide what we deserve in love. And step one is really deciding what we feel we deserve in love. Because it's hard to love somebody else any more than we can love ourselves. Yes. Also, and I think part of self-love is, again, looking at that person in the mirror and, uh, and accepting them, loving them through everything they've been through. Yes. That makes them still be able to, to be able to be standing. Yeah, and, and I fully agree with what you said. When you go through the process of learning to love yourself, that's the same process you're going to use for someone else. Right. So when you learn to love yourself, you go through all the unforgiveness. You go through all the misunderstanding with yourself. You go through all the connection and disconnection with yourself. And when you go through that entire process and you're like, oh, I can accept myself, you're now going to have to repeat that for someone else. Right. So doing it the other way around, it's a lot harder because you're doing both at the same time. And you're teaching yourself. As you love yourself, you're teaching other people how to love you as exactly. well. Exactly. And you're teaching yourself what is required you know, and maybe we love ourselves so much that we teach other people, you know, how it's done. Exactly. That's the hope. So that's step one. Uh, step two was learning how to love others. Mm. Right? You've learned to love yourself, now learn how to love others. This is a place where you get to practice love with someone else. And when we were monks, we were always taught to understand that, you know, it's hard enough dealing with one mind. But when you go to two minds, it gets much more complex. Two hearts. Two hearts. And so there's this incredible study that I was reading from Harvard that talks about how when you first meet someone, you're experiencing that chemistry, that spark. And really what you're experiencing is passion and stress at the same time. We often don't know that, but uh, the cortisol levels are increasing in the brain when you're feeling that attraction, that mm -hmm. chemical spark with someone. So you're actually feeling passion and stress at the same time. We all know what that feels like. You get attracted to someone, someone gets attracted to you, sparks fly, there's, there's a chemistry. Now, what happens is if that love lasts, the study says that things become a more, more calm. I think we've also experienced that. The honeymoon phase is over. The chemistry is over. And what the study says is what happens is the passion still is there, but the stress drops in the brain. And that often makes us feel like there's no more excitement. That often makes us feel like there's no more positive energy. But what I find is that this is where love really starts to take off. Because now you've lost that initial lust, that initial attraction, that initial stress or tension that was there. And now you really get to practice love. So in the book, I talk about all the different methods that come with dealing with conflict, dealing with challenges, dealing mm. with these stresses. But what's beautiful is that the study says that the stress you first felt from the relationship, now the relationship helps you deal with the other stresses in your life. Oh, That's what a healthy, loving relationship is, that in the beginning you felt passion and stress, 
now the health of that relationship helps you deal with the other stresses in your life. So is that the, is that the third phase of it then? The third phase is actually really fascinating. Most people would think that the third stage is love, like you, you got right. there. And I, and I was thinking about this and the model that I've broken down for you comes from the Vedas. The Vedas are the scriptures that I studied during my time as a monk. And, and you know, my passion is always trying to find the synergy between ancient wisdom and modern science. I'm always looking for those yeah. uh, connections because I really feel that the answers are not old or new, they're together, right? There's this intersection that I find really powerful. And so the Vedas talk about this third stage and I spent a lot of time researching it to understand it. And what it came out to me is that before the fourth stage, which is the final stage, there's a stage of learning to heal from love. And what I mean by that is that in the process of giving and receiving love, we all experience a lot of pain. You could love someone and not have love back. That causes you pain. You could love someone and over love someone and they try to love you back, but they can't reciprocate with your level of pain. Mm. You could love someone and be loyal to someone, but they leave you or they cheat on you or they reject you in some way. And that leaves you with pain. Or you could have loved someone your whole life and they passed away, something tragic happened, and now you're left with pain. So in order to learn to love, we had to learn how to love through pain in some way, because so many people, when they go through pain or rejection, they close off, and that's very normal, it's valid, that when you've had love that hasn't been responded to in a positive way, you become cold-hearted, you become hard-hearted, right? We hear those words all the time. And so the third stage was, now that you've become hard-hearted or cold-hearted, how do you soften again? How do you still go back to a place to be able to be loving again? And the fourth and final stage, which is, I'll, I'll let people really understand this in the book, but it was the ability to experience love through everyone and everything. I think one of the biggest challenges we have, just as we believe that we were incomplete if we were single and not worthy of love, the other extreme is we only believe one person is worthy of our love. Mm. The idea that there is only one person that we're meant to love. And I don't mean that in monogamy or polygamy. I mean that in the sense of, I can experience love with you right now Mm -hmm. if I want to. I can experience love with anyone in this room or anyone that I bump into every single day if that's what I choose to do. And that that was the ultimate expression of love, that I was actually able to engage with each human with a sense of love, with a sense of connection. And how beautiful would the world be if we were able to do that? So those are the four stages to learn how to love that I discovered in the book breaks down each of them into practical exercises, reflections, and ideas. And that's why I love it. The, that, that third stage in terms of, of healing, it's interesting because a lot of our viewers and listeners, they are lifelong learners. And learning, is, learning and growth is one of their top values. Like for me, it's love, growth, contribution, adventure. You know, those are my, those are my true north that I make my decisions on. And it's interesting in, in romantic relationships, in that healing area, you grow through books, right, through mentors, but you also grow maybe as an entrepreneur because that, you know, where your responsibility is on you in intimate relationships. Because yes. that person, you're vulnerable to that person. Yeah. You, you know, that person has, you know, what, what they think, how they behave, um, you know, how they feel about you yeah. affects you more than somebody maybe leaving a comment on Twitter. Exactly. Right? So it's, is it like a mirror or is it? Absolutely. Uh, the, the Vedas believe that the purpose of relationships, romantic relationships, is education. Mm. The idea that that person, like you rightly said, can expose more of your weaknesses to you than anyone in the world. You could hide all your weaknesses from the entire world 
and your partner will know what time you woke up in the morning, what time you went to yeah. bed, what you ate, what you didn't do. It's a mirror. It's, it's an opportunity to have an honest, transparent view of yourself in a safe space, right? It's not someone who's judging you. It's not someone who's pointing fingers at you. It's not someone who's critiquing you or comparing you to someone else. But that a healthy relationship is a safe space where you can look at your weaknesses, your flaws, your challenges mm-hmm. and work on them. Right. And then that person supports you in working on them. So to me, if anyone's thinking about whether they're in love or not, that's the question you want to ask yourself is, is this person helping me learn about myself? Right. Um, are they helping me grow? All the beautiful things you said, are they helping me contribute more? Right. Are we going on adventures together where we learn about each other? Like these are the questions of, am I in love? I think often our questions are like, am I attracted to them? Uh, do they do nice things for me? Are they right. kind? Like. Sure, these are all good things, but love and lasting love requires much more depth than those. You know, I feel like I want to be able to, to write a book on eight rules of, of learning. <laughs> but just like in learning, there's personal styles that it's not how smart you are, it's how are you smart. Some people prefer to learn something in different ways and methods and styles. But there's also styles of, um, of communication. Mm-hmm. There's styles in terms of preferred ways of, of love where you might that person might love you but not communicate in a way that you feel yeah though that that yes. love how does that play out usually yeah i think there's a couple of models here that i have in the book one of the ones i talk about is the parent child complex and mm-hmm. it's the idea that often we try to act as a parent to our partners and when you parent your partners they start to act like a child right this is a psychological principle of like when if i talk to you as if i'm your parent you'll start to mimic the behavior of a child who's throwing a tantrum or not being happy or you know, leaving, their, you know, leaving everything in a mess. And if I deal with you as a child, if I act like a child, then I'm forcing the other person to have to act like a parent. Mm-hmm. And really what you're trying to do is get to a partner level. And I think a lot of us do this, like if we didn't have a parent who satisfied our needs, we often go into a partnership as a child subconsciously, hoping that our partner becomes our parent. Or if we had to be the older person in a family, maybe you're the eldest sibling, maybe you're an older person in your family, maybe you always had to make sure the peace was kept and things were okay. You walk into a relationship and you naturally have this commanding behavior and you communicate in that way. And I think the healthiest relationships are when you actually walk in as equals, as partners, and we say, okay, there are some things where I feel like a child or I feel like a parent, but we're gonna try our best to actually meet in the middle and communicate as equals. We're gonna communicate as partners. We're gonna solve things together. I'm not gonna act like a child and expect you to be my adult and solve everything, or I'm not gonna pretend to be an adult and control the situation. It's interesting that the hats and the roles that we wear yeah. in, uh, in family systems, also how we happen to learn as well. Who did you write this book for and, uh, and what, why should they read it? What, yeah. are they, what are they gonna get out of it? I wrote this book for anyone who's single currently and trying to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. I wrote this book for anyone who's in a relationship and navigating the natural ups and downs. I wrote it for anyone who's just broken up and gone through the pains of whether it's a divorce or whether it's a long or short-term relationship ending. And I wrote it for anyone who's thinking about what love looks like beyond just romantic love. And so those are the four types of people that I wrote this book for. And I'd say the biggest thing that someone's gonna get in this book is they're going to get ideas, but they're also going to get insights on how to actually have more effective conversations with your partner, how to know if someone is right for you 
how to actually know your own values and someone else's and see if they match. So the book guides you through everything from chemistry, through the compatibility, through the connection. And I try and leave nothing to your imagination in the sense of like, I'm not trying to just let you kind of just deal with all the issues as they come up. I'm trying to really help guide, you know, the the tiniest, smallest choices that you're making. So hopefully people feel like it's a comforting guide uh, to love. And just like think like a monk, I love that you're pulling from not only latest science, but also also ancient wisdom yes. as well. We, yeah. we, we did that with our book as well. We want to know like the latest neuroscience to learning, but then also what did the ancient people do to yes. be able to learn and be able to pass on Absolutely. amazing information? Absolutely. That, that, that's incredible. Thanks, Jay. Jay Shetty, thank you so thank much. You. Where, where do people get the book? Uh, the book is 8rulesoflove.com. So okay. you can buy it and it will give you all the links wherever you are in the world. Right. Uh, I'll give you the links to all the different countries. So 8rulesoflove.com. Yeah. Uh, we'll put in the show notes at jimquick.com forward slash notes. I encourage everybody to take a screenshot wherever you're consuming this and, uh, and tag, post it, please. And tag Jay so he sees it. Tag my, myself as well. I'll repost some of our favorites as well. And I would say to everyone who's, who's watching this right now, make sure you get your copy. I, I recommend everyone gets three copies <laughs> for everything. Just like this is a great book. Get one for yourself and then get two to be able to, I love to, be able to gift That's awesome. out to, uh, to your friends and family who could really benefit. So, you know, make sure you can follow your heart, but also, also bring your brain. Yeah, so, uh, absolutely. Thank, thank you everyone for watching. Uh, make sure if, if you like this, make sure you subscribe and uh, be limitless. Thank you. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, want more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team can properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think. 
I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you want to go deeper with many of these authors that we have on our podcast, these experts, I want to invite you to join our quick success program. This is our monthly lives that I do, where I teach something brand new that we haven't taught before, answer your burning questions. And also we have something that people have been requesting for many years, a quick book club. This is your Limitless Book Club, where every single month we read a book together, uh, like a book provided by this author. And then we get the author to come online and join us for one hour, uh, share going deeper in these strategies, how to put them into practice. Uh, I share my five tips for how to memorize things out of these books. Many people want to read a book a month or build up to that. And this would be the program. So if you want to join, just go to quicksuccess.com and get your spot and join us live and get to meet these authors very uh, up close and personal. And uh, back to the episode.